it's safe to say uh, B-Scotch as a game dev studio isn't going anywhere. That said, your road was far from straight. And, Rude. And your, or would it, depends on what you mean by that, I guess. We're not going <laughs> anywhere. We're, we are. That's the meanest thing anyone has ever said to me. Scotch. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 270 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I spin both webs and lies. I'm Sam and I design into it. I was just trying to get out the train, okay? Trying on a thing. I thought it was effective. Yeah, it worked. That's the thing that you were trying to do? Well, you're spinning lies, Adam. I don't know. Are you... You... Jibbing me in the elbows? I'm not jabbing you in the, <laughs> with the elbows, but jibbing you, you in the elbows? You know what I mean. You so. know what he means. <laughs> this, this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is July 31th, 20 Blundy. Before we get started, we have a warning. There's going to be swears on this show. That's all. Just know about that. I would also like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. We grabbed their money. Thank you very much. Uh, now, we got to talk about something super important uh, this week, which is slapstick weeks. Yeah. So, or days. Yeah, you can – it just sort of occurred to me that every every so often there seems to be – I think we've had these actually. We've talked about these before on the show, not with a name. But there's these periods of time where for some reason – a person becomes unreasonably clumsy. Uh, 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 an otherwise reasonable person yes. becomes a comedy, a walking comedy <laughs> of errors. Yes. Uh-huh. So, first, I guess this was my week. I don't know if I don't know yeah. how long it's going to keep going. Actually, because right before the podcast, <laughs> I went to leave my office and the doorknob just fell off of the door. So, yeah, that's that's sort of in a in a in a sense how my week has gone. Kicked it off on Monday. Uh, went to go eat some peanut butter and banana. As everybody knows, I now don't dip, don't have to worry about dipping the banana in the peanut butter. So I have a fork, dip that in the peanut butter, spread it on the banana, and then I go to balance the fork. Okay, <laughs> it is so still just wait <laughs> just for to watch that, just to watch <laughs> that back though. The the idea that like, the process improvement from just dipping the banana in the peanut butter that <laughs> that would even be the first strategy that you would try or think Don't was a reasonable it. thing to do. Don't think too hard about it. Okay, so it's pretty wild. I'm now on that level where you know I'm using a fork, so yeah, I did yeah, the fork leveled in, up. But here's the problem. Now I'm looking yeah. at this fork and I'm like, I don't want to put this fork down, right? Because it's, no, it's got peanut butter on. It. Can't just put it like just wherever you want. Also, don't want to put it like in the sink because you know. I like do dishes and stuff. Is yeah, this where you discovered stuff. plates? No. So this is where I say <laughs> I'm not also going to make a plate dirty for a quarter of a quarter of an ounce of peanut butter. So I'm going to just balance this fork on top of the peanut butter jar, right? Mm. Which, of course, is an open lip, you know, open jar. So you sort of just plonk it in there such that the tines are resting on one end and then, you know, it's coming across the whole thing like yep. a bridge. Okay. I, like, I know this, this, you got a catapult. <laughs> this is what happened. So, <laughs> so I freaking do that and then, uh, and then just, you know, move over, start trying to eat my, my peanut butter banana situation. And I don't know if I knocked the thing. I don't know what happened. Fork goes leaping off and then just like just slaps the tines onto my shorts. And so I now have peanut butter shorts. <laughs> First thing in the morning, this is 10 minutes into me being awake, okay? So fast forward one day, my wife and I have ordered takeout from our favorite place. This includes having, uh, you know, the little plastic, like, takeout bowl plate things they give you. So we finish one of the the plate bowls of food, put it in the sink. There's a little bit of that, that delicious hot chili oil still in there. That thing's filled with water so we can, you know, clean it up later. I go to eat another banana. I don't know. Maybe this is the problem. Okay, so I go to eat another <laughs> banana. <laughs> the, the link. And it's because the bananas need to be in there. You're know, getting too ripe. So go to eat this final a turbo ripe banana. And of course, because it's turbo ripe, it's got like a gross, weird thing going on in one place. And so I take said fork from before, uh, cut, just sort of like, you know, slice out that weirdness. And then my wife's standing uh, about like a foot, foot and a half away from the <laughs> Sink and I, I just fling the that gross piece of banana off the fork <laughs> into the sink as I normally would. For how far? I'm like I'm like I'm like six inches away from the sink. I'm just to offset from the oh, sink. Okay. okay, 
And so I'm just like, blink, okay. you know, just like you, just like you do. And, I don't, but I, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> and this, this small piece of banana goes uh, exactly where I didn't want it to go, which is in also the small bowl plate thing, which is full of both water and oil, which then uh, erupts into, you know, it is sort of asteroid-like uh, backblow over the sink, which is supposed uh-huh. to contain these things, apparently not, and then gets on my wife, who just looks at me, and she's like, what? Why are you... <laughs> Why are you? Why, why have you done this? <laughs> um, but she remained very entertained by it. Thank God, because I got oil, like you know, hot chili oil on her pants. And then, yeah, I uh, was walking outside, went to climb up my my steps in my deck, and there's some bricks there, you know, uh, they're like a little retaining wall thing with those kind of cement bricks. Jump up on one of them, it just flips. It just flips. <laughs> it's supposed to be attached. It's supposed to be attached to the wall with this glue. Apparently, that glue doesn't yeah, it's work not. anymore. And I was like, what the fuck? What is happening? I, I think the doorknob uh, off. Then uh, your doorknob fell I off. I walked outside to eat lunch yesterday, holding a glass of water, just just fucking threw it on the ground. <laughs> I don't even know <laughs> Did, why. Didn't you also <laughs> go didn't you also go for a run and you were like, I'm gonna take this slight yes, detour I and then end up that. adding like three miles? Yeah. <laughs> I was feeling I was feeling good. I was like, I'm gonna go for a run. I'm gonna go an extra Fifty percent. So instead of a twenty minute run, go for a thirty minute run. Uh, take a little bit of a turn to you know at the at the halfway point. Instead of just turning straight back around, I'm like, well, I don't want to see the exact same shit from the other direction. <laughs> go down one block. Apparently, enter into a labyrinthine neighborhood I've never been in before. <laughs> Suddenly, fifteen minutes later, I'm like, I thought I was going the right direction. Apparently, I'm not. End up another fifteen minutes. I just ended up running for like fifty minutes. Uh, <laughs> I was like, God, what is happening? That's been my way. I think uh, uh, the way that I would summarize <laughs> your approach to life is you operate under the assumption that Murphy's Law does not exist. Yes. You know? Yes. I just, so I just enjoy showing hit, up. Hit, hit, me, hit, you know? hit me with Murphy's Law. Murphy's Law like, is the one, if something can go wrong, it will. I'm pretty sure that's, there's a bunch of laws. I'm pretty sure that's the one. But that's what I'm mm-hmm. talking about. Uh, in any event. Yeah. Uh, because cause each each one of these things, right, uh, if you if you basically just take it, because as you, you just walked into it, you're like, this is going to be fine. Like you've set up a precarious situation, right? Each time yes. there's a precarious yeah, situation that you've, right. you've, you've elaborately constructed a trap for yourself. Mm-hmm. And, then, <laughs> and then you just operate as if it isn't a trap. Yeah. And yeah. I think, I think that's a good way to describe my way. of living. <laughs> I just show like, up, you know, because yeah, I would, like, I would news. never, I would never turn down a road. I'm not familiar with because I'd be like, I would get lost. I would just like, I know that's what's going to happen. So I just, I mean, I got, it, right? I have, you know, I have a phone. So like I eventually had to Google maps my way out of this problem. Yeah, that's true. But I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't like going to die out there. It was just going to be a, uh, well, I think that's exactly it because the, the actual, consequences are mostly just annoying right yes and so so but but you 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 act because you don't actually care about being slightly annoyed so you get to have the carefree abandon correct you know of not not worrying about it if you get slightly annoyed after you've fallen into your elaborate traps that you've set for yourself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um whereas like i'm constantly worried about everything going wrong and so the only traps i set for myself are like the completely dumb acts like just purely accidental ones that I just like, like I'm in the middle of a thing and something happens and I forget. Like that's the scenarios that mm. I always find myself in. But otherwise like I would never bounce anything on anything because the first thing I think is like, I'm going to knock that over. Right. <laughs> I just don't, I don't trust, I don't trust my future self. I, don't know. I like to live on the edge, you know, I got a danger. hot tip. I got a, I got a hot tip for, for your peanut butter fork. I would just uh, got situation. Just lick the peanut butter off the fork. It's also a good approach. But Maybe what if you can put it in the sink? But then, if I want to dip it in back into the into the peanut butter jar again, you know. get another fork. Just get a bunch of tasting forks. You guys, I'm yeah. trying to minimize everything. You about got a cold. You got a cold stone sampler. That thing. You know, just get yourself an endless series of tiny spoons Ooh. that you can that you can dunk into there. Surprisingly, yep. good idea actually for how I tend to graze downstairs. <laughs> Man, so my one time I had I had the most hyper condensed slapstick day. <laughs> it was ever the, wasn't the day when you crushed a thousand glasses. Or was that a different day? <laughs> no, that was a, that was a different day. Okay. That was where yeah, it was like I, I, 
we had a bunch of people over for dinner and I kept washing the, the dishes like as they were coming in. And yeah, I broke three glasses just <laughs> back to back. Um, but there was but another, was, there was was another day you were just like holding on to a, like a glass and broke it. And I did that twice in like a day yep. or two. <laughs> I got powerful meaty hands. <laughs> uh, no, what, one time when I was in high school, I think I might have actually talked about this because it was such a memorable moment. But I'll just say what happened at the end of this day. Because it was like a day where every, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. At the end of the day, like my braces – I was I had braces at the time. My braces were broken. Mm-hmm. I had my hands covered in ink because my pen had exploded. There was a hole in my, <laughs> there was a hole in my pants because my pants ripped. <laughs> Um, lots of shit had gone wrong. Did that, did that cause your, your pen to explode or was that an unrelated incident? Everything was completely unrelated, okay. but equally bad. And then the, this was, this was at the time of my life when I was wearing chain necklaces, you know, uh, yes. we've, 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 all, we've all been there. Nineties, yep, uh, <laughs> yeah. middle school, high school. And, uh, at, toward the end of the evening, I was, fl- I was flushing the toilet and I leaned over right as I hit the flush button, my necklace <laughs> It just <laughs> fell right into the flushing toilet, and I just watched it get sucked right in. You know what's funny? It's actually, I was like, I think about this. that. <laughs> I think about that exact story all the time because I, I, I actually have a, a necklace that I wear now, and literally, it's going in the toilet anytime. Anytime I'm shirtless <laughs> and I lean over to flush a toilet, I actually hold it now because I'm like, I, you know, I remember it's this. gonna happen. Apparently I'm not extending that to the someday, floor. someday you're gonna you're gonna hit the flush and you'll be holding your necklace and then it will suddenly go limp in your hand because it fell well, off. Well, it's happened it to me with uh, I used to carry moleskin in my back pocket and one time I pulled my shorts up and my moleskin just like like flung out of my pocket. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, my ass yep. like pushed it out and then it went in the toilet and I was like. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, and there's always there's always these videos of like somebody sitting on a dock, you know, and they just kind of like adjust their position, yep. and their phone, phone just <laughs> slides right out into a crack between two boards, like right into the lake, you know. Like, and then there's that shit. there's that dolphin that like comes up and just takes someone's iPad, you know. I've seen that. Yeah. You gotta watch it. <laughs> the world's a dangerous place. The universe, yeah, the universe is precarious. You don't to need to set tra- traps for yourself. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, let's talk about. Let's talk about smart watches. Yeah. I want to talk about – let's talk about this. Now, we, we hypothesized yes. in the past. <laughs> yes, we did. I feel like when you say hypothesized, you've got to lisp it because it's just too good. Frankly, it's to. hard not to lisp it. Lit. Ah, so in, in the past, we hypothesized mm-hmm. that – uh, that smartphones would continually lose their corners and become more and more round until eventually – there's there's just pucks, just mm-hmm. puck phones. Mm-hmm. But of course, puck phones do exist and they are smartwatches. They are circular Android or iOS devices. Or I guess I guess Garmin mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. also doing something over there. Yep. Uh, yeah, but the only reason I even know that's because they got hacked last week and all their services got disabled for Yeah, I literally didn't days. know they existed and then I saw that and I was like, oh, oh. Are they so they're actually in the smartwatch business? <laughs> I guess it's just a side, but is Garmin still I think, around? Yeah, they do. They make like smart. running watches and stuff, you know, that have GPSs in them so that people can track their runs and that sort of thing. So oh. more like a sports yeah. watch. Yeah. Yeah, which is kind of an interesting market because it's like, you know, all the like it does the stuff that a watch does, and very few of the things that a smartwatch does at about the same price. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So I'm not quite sure what the market is there, but uh, there's well, I think it's like you don't have there. to have a phone, right? Because with because smartwatches yes. are just actually accessories for your phone, right? Uh, that's kind of where they started, but they're getting they're getting beefy enough now that they can do a lot of things on their own. One of the things that they don't do is like GPS or uh, or have like data, mm. like they they don't talk to satellites and shit yet. Um, but I was just kind of, I was just kind of wanting to, cause I, I ended up getting an Android smartwatch, uh, last year cause my, my analog mechanical watch ended up getting so scratched up that I was like, it's time, it's time for a new, a new thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got the fossil gen five watch and I was kind of dubious cause I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a, of a, we're slow adopters. I think. <laughs> yeah. I'm a bit of a technology curmudgeon because I know. I know what computers are up to, and I don't trust those fucking things mm-hmm. uh, as a programmer. And so I got the smartwatch, and and uh, I got to say, I've been I've been loving the shit out of this thing. Well, now what was your um, what was your journey from from when you got it 
to being like, this was a good call. Well, like, so so first I was like, I'm going to explore this thing and try to see what it can do. You know, so I, I, got, I looked up a bunch of different apps and like it can't do that much, frankly. Yeah, it's <laughs> um, a tiny puck phone. It's really small, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can get a keyboard on there and you can type stuff, but it's very hard to do. Um, but, you know, so it can do stuff like track your heart rate and all these things. But but really, I think what what uh, I like about it is there's just a couple of like really nice convenient functions like having it be able to tell you what the weather is. So like I just – I look at my watch and I just always know like what's the temperature outside and shit like that. I can set up two I can you can customize the face so I can be like – uh, maybe maybe we do a lot of collaboration with the uh, the folks at at uh, Game Maker. Well, they're in London, mm. right? Well, if I just always have a tiny little clock on my watch that tells me what time it is in London, now I've just got that, and mm-hmm. I know what time it is there. Whether I should be sending them an email without having to convert shit in my head. So it's like all these these little just like getting snippets of routine information um, that normally you would bust out your phone to do, and then end up accidentally opening up YouTube, and then suddenly now you're, you know. You're a conspiracy theorist. Mm-hmm. Um, That's how it happens. You don't you don't have those those traps, but you can still get the uh, the information. And on top of that, the fact that I can tell it stuff, I can be cooking, and I can tell my watch to set a timer, and then there's just a timer now, and I don't need to like poke it and like do stuff with my mm-hmm. hands. You know, it's because my hands are covered in, you know, grease and dough because I'm cooking <laughs> right. something. Something. Some kind of greasy dough ball. So basically, it actually turned out. So, because I think a lot of the things people are looking for when they get a new piece of tech is a sea change, right? Where you're like, I would be able to do some, like, you know, magnificent change in, in terms of how I tend to operate. And what you found actually with the watch is that it's it's been very useful in terms of the changing a bunch of these small daily tasks enough yeah. that you're like, yes, because you use it every day, basically, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm a hundred percent convert. I'm very excited about what the this future holds. Yeah, because I think there's these things. There's this concept in uh, in like trend spotting, which is this idea that the future has already arrived. It's just not equally distributed yet, right? Yeah. Um, and this idea basically that uh, that a lot of the things that seem like surprises, even even the iPhone, um, had plenty of precursors before them uh, that were all building up to this thing right and so my curiosity with the watches is like what's you know like we were joking actually before the podcast about about how stupid it would be to try to have a like a video you know phone call with your watch uh until we realized that you could just hold up your wrist and if there was a if there was a face on the bottom of it then you would look like a cool power ranger just walking around like with your (laughs) resistance resistance pose you know uh yeah talking to someone uh which actually is Frankly, easier to do than like holding a phone with your wrist bent at a cockeyed angle to try to hold the phone straight. Um, and so, yeah, I, well, I also, do wonder, it's, it also you're not going to drop your smartwatch through the crack in a dock because that's a big one stuck to your stuck mm-hmm. to your arm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so like a it's, phone uh, plus a fan. Since they all still require well, phones to do most of their stuff, you'll still drop your phone. Just, <laughs> that's true. You'll, just, yeah. you'll just keep your watch though, <laughs> unless yeah, it's a it, garment. It's, but if there's it. But there's been just like cool, cool moments where they just like make me feel cool because like, let's say I've got music going in my, on my computer, which is the next room over, but I can hear it from the kitchen or something like that. And uh, I've got the, I've got the Spotify app on my watch. And while I'm, while I'm playing music, I can just like look at my wrist and I can just see what the current track is and the artist. And I can even adjust the volume of my computer with the, the knob on my smartwatch. Right, like so, I can be like, I want this shit to be louder, and I just poke my watch, and then my computer. In the probably next over. you need to take this to the next level. Get some of those hue lights, this Huey lights and lights. Hue. Get some of those, and then have it set up on your smartwatch so that you can also turn the light intensity and RGB values up and down just by mm-hmm. just by turning you know, your watch face. That, I was gonna say that RGB connected yeah. to your laser tower. So you can control the light emanating from behind your computer, you know? Yeah, I probably could. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. And it, even, even like if I'm, uh, if I'm exercising or something, I don't have to carry my phone around. It can just be somewhere else. Cause you know, it'll, it connects wirelessly to the watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can still do stuff like change a podcast track or, or whatever, just by tapping the, the watch. So like it, it kind of takes a lot of stuff that was previously, like I said, it's it's not a game changer in any one big way. It's just super nice in like a thousand small ways. 
Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm curious what that means as far as because uh, I know everyone's been pushing for. You know, there's always like miniaturization pushes, right? Uh, everything getting smaller all the time. And frankly, phones are boring. Like the upgrades now, I'm like, who cares? Every single time a new phone upgrade comes out, I'm like, there is no meaningful difference between this mm-hmm. anymore. Maybe I yeah, know. Camera's better about. though. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. More, more <laughs> that's better it. cameras. Yeah, that's yep. it. And often not by much though. So like. Well, I, even I, if it's yeah, by yeah. much, because sometimes they're like, we have literally twice as many megapixels as we had previously. But previously, there were so many megapixels that you have to down-res the thing to even save it onto your disk. Exactly. Because the phone ninety gigs. Because <laughs> it's 90 gigabytes, and your phone still today has like one gigabyte of free mm-hmm. space on it. So where I think we're so, at, like, I, f- I feel like we're peeking out on the design of, of these smartphones. And so I'm wondering if the Puck phone is going to be, is really going to be like that next breakthrough thing will actually be the puck phone. What's, what's well, they, what's they figure out how to get everything small enough so that you just have your watch. But here's the deal. Cause I like, think, think, that could think about the pit boy, right? So if, if you were Pit-Boy's wearing huge, yeah, but if you're wearing more yeah. of like a, a miniature tablet on your, on your wrist, so it wasn't a puck, wasn't a puck, but it was more like a phone, right? But just wrist mounted. More like those like braces or like bra- bracers, I guess. Is that the word to look for? Yeah, like those bracers mm-hmm. that some people wear. Like they've got like the 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 leather the pocket wide yeah. wide mm-hmm. arm yeah. band thingy. Um, yeah, you could. I mean, yeah. Why I mean, why go all the way? Do, like why try to force a technology into a form factor that's been around for a different kind of technology for a jillion years versus just say we want to get this thing onto your wrist. That's mm-hmm. the goal. So let's make a thing that does all the things that we think are cool that can live there. But the weird thing, I guess, though, because there is those, like, uh, if you go for a run or whatever, people have, I mean, I guess people have built these, right? Which is the little little arm pocket that you put yeah, on those put your phone because because your phone is at the right dimensions. Like I, I mean, I have one of those, and I've, I've run with it like three times, and I'm just like, this blows. Because you're also, <laughs> if you, I think if you had, if I had wire, wireless headphones, that would also help. But even still, like it's oh, kind of yeah. like jiggling a bit, you know. And like and you have to, and if you want to change something on it, you can't. Of course, if you had a smartwatch, also you could. Unless you got but a I also, watch. I don't want to go running <laughs> with like a thousand dollars of tech hanging off my body like, in various <laughs> places. You know, that's that's, that's, a, that's a, a wild thing. It's to a risky do. move. You might trip um, on something. Yeah, anything could happen. Fall on a leg, mm-hmm. get attacked by a goose, you know, like anything. <laughs> anything. Yeah, but I think it is a fair question. Though, is why, why is this yeah. the goal, though? Why is the goal to say, okay, watch us. Let's make these things smart. Uh, and, and, the, and now we can, we can tether these two pieces of technology together. So your phone's always in your pocket. Like, so that's it's always there. You're still, t- you're still stuck to that. But at least, hey, now, now your watch is talking to it, so you don't have to look at your phone as much. That's cool. But why, why don't we have a pit boy? Why don't we just go that route entirely? Which is weird because you know? really, if you just like if you just mi- allowed me to turn my entire UI on my phone into landscape mode, then I could just do that, right? Yeah, I could just glue it to your hood. But the thing is, like, my wrist is not—it's not, it's not the right this width. Too, this is way too big. I'm They're too big. Right now, yeah, an iPhone. So because well, you actually need yeah. something in between. You need in between a tiny ass watch face and a giant ass phone. You need something that's like pretty dang wide. So we get like a three to one aspect ratio, right? It's kind of the width of your average, actually, the width of your like first quartile wrist, something like that. So it fits on mm-hmm. most people, right? Mm-hmm. You put it in a cool, a cool wide uh, uh, bracer. Right? Bracer. So now and you put it on the bottom of your wrist, or put screens on the top and bottom of your wrist, actually, would be even better. Yep. So more screens. Right? So now you got screens on both that. sides. You can, you can touch stuff on both. Think, think about typing. Like if you're typing on your arm, how much better that would be. Like with one hand, you're just like typing but on that side. It have to be, yeah, have to be one hand. It'd be with but, one hand. I mean, it's better than just two thumbs, though. two thumb bullshit. You got a whole hand that way. But I do think that it that like the the little the little watch. I think it meets a, a it meets a good niche, which is like if I if I'm on my phone, I can read emails and I can check websites and stuff. But I I can't I can't output a lot of stuff because it's just too fucking small, right? Like a phone is small. I can't type up a whole like document on it without being mad Mm -hmm. because my Mm -hmm. thumbs are too big. So if I want to produce stuff, I go to the big screen. I go to my Mm -hmm. computer with the full-size keyboard, right? If I want to produce like small amounts of stuff, like text messages or whatever, and and still – but I can still consume information, I can do that on my phone. When it comes to the watch, the watch is like I'm not not outputting anything with this. You're also not inputting most things because it's too small for that. Right. But what I can, what I can receive is just a large, I can receive a large number of very small tidbits, Mm -hmm. right? 
So like any, it's a, ver- any it's a little utility of, device, basically. Yeah, like any little piece of information I need, I can just get because I can just I can just I can even ask my watch like questions and it will it will give me wiki like it'll read out loud Wikipedia stuff to me. <laughs> so I can just be like, "What's the population of New Zealand?" Watch and it'll just tell me out loud. What yeah, the I mean, your phone can do which that. Which is weird. Too. You just you just turn that yeah. same feature on your phone and then you don't even need the watch. Right, but then you have to pull out I, your phone. You got to bust out the phone. You got to oh, oh, Google can hear you. But but again. Yeah, She's but again, listening. but again, it's that yeah. it's that question of uh, like what I loved about having a watch, like a a, a real watch, an analog watch, um, was the fact that I I couldn't fall down rabbit holes. Yeah, right? you just if got I what wanted you to know what. Yeah, the only reason I wore the thing was because I needed to know what time it was. I would look at it, and now I know what time it is. And then I'm not also on YouTube or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> um, I guess maybe that's why I don't care about that. watches. Is because. The only times I care what time it is are when I'm working because that's also when like meetings and things happen. And there's then always a clock on my, my desktop, you know, when I'm not sitting at my computer doing work, I do not give a fuck what time it is. Like I don't, I don't even, cooking? I don't even look at clocks. Well, if I'm cooking, <laughs> then like there's a clock on the oven right there. So I could just, you just look at that's it. True. Right. And I'm also not doing other things. I might be listening to a podcast while I'm cooking or something, but I'm not like doing other stuff. And so I can just have my phone sitting there and I can tell it to set timers and stuff. Well, now you're getting peanut butter all over your phone. Mm-hmm. You know? It's dangerous, man. And chili over You get it on your phone or on your watch. You know? <laughs> one, of the, one of those two. I do Wait, think that I there's think, something yeah. in between where you get rid of your phone and get rid of your watch. And then instead you have, you have the eye bracer. You get, you the puck. Mm-hmm. get the puck. The eye get patch. The, puck. the eye patch. The eye patch. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that they're, I think they're going to keep going. I think they're super cool. Um, and if, you know, if you're at a point where you're going to replace your analog watch, uh, you know, take a look, take a look at smartwatch, see how it works. Let us know. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to hear what other people's uh, thoughts are on this. Cause I do think that it's probably gonna, it's going to pick up, especially as prices come down. Cause that's how it always like that's always the thing. Yeah, right? my bet yeah, is won't blow up completely until um, they can fit all the tech from a smartphone into a watch, or the they come up with a different form factor thing altogether and stop this bullshit trying to force one thing to be another thing stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do know that my watch has a gigabyte of RAM, which isn't the most insane thing that I've <laughs> yeah. been able to say. Like I remember being in high school and putting a gig of RAM in my computer and thinking mm-hmm. I was just a, f- a fucking beast. And, like, and it cost like 40 bucks or something to put that one yeah. stick of RAM. I was two 512 gigabyte sticks. Yeah, with my gig of RAM, and I'm like, God, this is I, this is so much RAM. I would never, I'll never need more RAM than this. Mm-hmm. You know. I remember uh, when we could you could buy 256 megabyte sticks at that time. Remember that shit? Yeah. Yeah, and you and you get four of them. And yeah, you get, get four of them. Badass. <laughs> get your whole gig of RAM in there. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. Uh, all right, let's go into studio news. Uh, so we got two two little things. One is the tech debt burn down is still going. Quadrupus Rampage is done. So Quadrupus Rampage has had Rumpus integrated into it. Um, we haven't released anything yet. We don't have any specifics on when we're going to start rolling out the game updates. But one of the things that I'm that I'm super pumped about is I didn't realize this uh, because uh, because I'm bad at my job. But uh, <laughs> so we had we had set up all the old games under a specific assumption about phones, about the sizes of phones specifically, mm-hmm. which was like at the time that we made all those games, phones were a 16 by nine aspect ratio, which is a very common aspect ratio. It's like TVs, computer monitors, and phones were all basically the same at that time. Uh, Since then, Apple has pushed the phone industry to enlongen Mm -hmm. everything. Phones Mm -hmm. keep getting longer. I think think everybody assumed for a long period of time that you were only allowed to make a 16 to 9 aspect ratio phone. And then I don't, yeah. I don't remember who it was that started. I assume it was Apple who were just like, Oh, it's definitely Apple. They're like, you know that thing Apple. that's super convenient for all the devs everywhere? Mm-hmm. We're going to just, just – And I assume they did something real fucking bunch. weird too the first time because I know there's some weird – It was the iPhone X. Was the iPhone X? The iPhone X was the first one to break that I remember. Convention. We screamed. Because – Yeah, yeah we, we started screaming because – yeah, because they were like, not only is it like a 2.2 by 1 aspect ratio. Mm-hmm. As it also to has round 7. corners. 
We ran in the corners and punched a big hole in the side. And put a also, bar that's always on the fucking screen on the bottom of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we just started screaming. Yeah, a lot happened. Because that means we yeah. put that um, but, uh, but everybody else also followed suit. So yep. every phone, every new phone nowadays is at least like a two by one. Like Another challenge savers. for every phone maker has been how round can we make these corners? How many cameras can we put in the screen? How how can we have the screen go wrap around all the way to the edge and then wrap around and go down the back mm-hmm. of the yeah. phone? Can we fold it? Can, can we fold it in half? Will, can the screen flip out into a fan that you can use to cool yourself? These are all the things that smartphone manufacturers are trying to achieve. Um, one of the things that they've definitely succeeded at is just continuously making phones longer. All of our old games were built under this, now in retrospect, bizarre assumption that we had. Um, that, that phones would, that would either like, that the device you played on would either, uh, get fatter or stay the same. Well, so cause we were thinking, about, we were thinking I, about tablets, right? Cause tablets were, were, yeah. were narrowing that aspect ratio instead of being really mm-hmm. wide. They were getting more square. Yeah. yeah. Tablets are more square and phones are 16 by nine. And we're like, that's just how it is. So in games like, uh, flop rocket or quadrupus rampage, we would fix the width of the view, and we would increase or decrease the height of the view. Problem is, problem is phones are so fucking long now <laughs> that in Flop Rocket, you can't even see the top and the bottom of the game anymore. Mm-hmm. You just, they're just gone. They're just <laughs> hidden behind the... Um, and then in Quadrupus Rampage, it feels like it's super, super zoomed in and you just can hardly see anything. Yeah, which actually, I hadn't Lots played it for a long time and I was, I was playing it then for the past few days because I've been debugging a bunch of shit with the data migration. And uh, and I just like, I'd only played it just like to generate enough data to like test with, but I hadn't actually like l- tried to play it and thought about the experience until Seth mentioned this. And then today when I was debugging some stuff, I was like, I'm going to play Quadrupus Rampage for like, just like a couple minutes, you know, and like pay attention. And it was fucking hard. Like I couldn't see anything. Couldn't see anything. <laughs> yeah, it was horrible. It's just yeah, been like uh, this for years. It's just been like this. Nope. Nobody s- said anything. And this is one of those weird <laughs> things where like, I, I think about, think about like, oh, it'd be so great to like, like upscale Quadrupus to 60 frames per second because it's 30. Right, they're like nobody said a word about it. It doesn't matter. Nobody's, this is the thing. It's like most of this shit doesn't yeah. matter. The fact that you couldn't see the top and bottom of Flop Rocket, nobody literally said doesn't anything. Matter. Think about that. That's you, crazy. You you can't even see the fuel pads that you're supposed to land on. <laughs> like that's that's the whole game. Like you have to mm-hmm. be able to game review score the same. The same. It's as the mm-hmm. same. I. Which you know I mean, that's, maybe, maybe that means the game is yeah, yeah, maybe <laughs> that means the game is basically just as good if you don't participate in the landing on no that can't possibly be true no definitely no that's terrible yeah uh so one of the things that i'm the most excited about is actually not the rumpus integration but the fact that all the games are now using a proper reasonable way of handling aspect ratios uh so they're all playable again mm-hmm. that's gonna be nice uh and actually a lot of them have been up because phones are just bigger now than they used to be so uh, quadrupus and flop rock and whatever, like they're just going to look more crisp. You'll be able to see more stuff. Um, it's going to be super nice. Yeah, that'd be good. So once we get this, once we get this done, uh, can we gonna, frame this probably, as, a, as a remaster? And then you know, try to get someone to talk. about It would be a tough sell, but we could just say it anyway. You know, <laughs> right? That's what marketing is. You just marketing. say a thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We'll just we'll add the word remastered underneath the title, and then boom, it's remastered. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll probably be rolling out some of the smaller games first, just to get this thing uh, out there and, and tested and stuff. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm in in going back and, and doing this stuff. I just recognize like these games are good. They're all good. Like they're, they're I'm I'm proud of them. I think they're good games. Um, and it's it's always been kind of a bummer that they've been like sort of slowly rotting as phones get longer and Scotch ID gets worse and everything. And, <laughs> and so I'm, I'm just, I'm happy that we're, that we're doing this. So, um, and as far as level head news goes, big stuff, big stuff, uh, the void patch is launching the day this episode airs mm-hmm. August 5th. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a super fucking big patch. Yeah. If you want to, <laughs> if you want to read, 
about all of the big things. Uh, there's a hilarious blog post that Seth put together on the on the blog or at levelhead.io slash void, uh, which you can find and, re- and read, see some GIFs with all these new things in action. Uh, Are you going to narrate this one? I haven't done that yet. I don't know if we actually wanted to. This do one that. was a little bit trickier because it was it was it is a patch blog post, so it's like talking about new stuff in the game as opposed to being more um like lore based like the original yeah. uh post was. Well the original though was was lore and then a whole bunch of just like how to play the game and stuff. Tips which yeah, that's true. That's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. 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 This one was a, created as a uh as a, a memo to shareholders about some of the new technology that the Bureau is working on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, it's, it's very fun. And I think this, I mean, the update is, uh, is gigantic. So we're, the framing for us is on the marketing side. It's not as a patch. It's as a, uh, as a mega update because I think generally people, players in particular, uh, will generally consider a patch to be fixes and things like that, which makes sense because it sounds like it, right? Mm-hmm. Patching things up. Uh, so we took the, took the liberty of saying it's a free mega update. Um, because it is free DLC is what we should have done. Basically. <laughs> yeah. No, no kidding. Um, <laughs> Damn it. But yeah, so it's, I mean, it's huge. It's gigantic. Uh, new power up, double the enemies, tons of like more than double the new uh, path decor, colorable spikes and stuff. Input switch lets you control freaking everything. It's ridiculous. Uh, did you say the shade power up the shade power? up? Yeah. New power up. Yeah. Um, there's just a lot in there. And I think what's, what's been, uh, been interesting is that we've, we've had it in beta for, a while now, because of course we the main thing to wait on is is certification uh, first through all the different platforms, and then once you get through certification, is sort of lining up the the launch sequence. So I think people who listen to the podcast will know that we've this patch has been quote unquote done on the dev side since like a month ago. Um, anyway, six through, weeks ago, about six weeks ago, took about yeah. you know two three weeks to get through cert. Once we got it back after getting through cert, then we said, okay, cool, we can actually set a date now. Uh, and then reach out to all of our platform partners, set a date, etc. So it's been a long time coming. I'm really excited for people to actually see it. Um, it's been long enough, actually, that you know I'll probably I'll probably go play the game a bit um, when it comes out because because I haven't gotten to like it's it's one of those things that we've gotten enough distance actually from all the content that we made that it'll be really fun to go play it again because I haven't played it in a while. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm stoked. I think it'll be really really fun. And it's all out yeah, on we, everything. We've been too. up to our yeah. We've been up to our eyeballs and all this. Uh, Working on infrastructure, working on Crashlands 2 stuff. Um, yeah, so we'll definitely be dipping back into some level head stuff pretty soon. Uh, all right. And as far as uh, industry news, before we get on to some questions, uh, Sam, did you want to talk about Carrion or did you want to I did. on that? Yeah. Well, okay. just, just briefly. I think I – so if yeah. anybody has Game Pass, uh, one, you know, I'm a big fan of it because I think I talk about it a lot uh, on the podcast. But uh, Carrion's on Game Pass and basically – we talk about video games, right? We talk about the difficulty of selling them, making them, etc., cetera, uh, and how one of the goals before you even start your game is to be able to confidently say that it offers something of differentiation either within its category, so if it's a you know survival game plus blah, uh, or something just altogether different. And it's, it's actually rare to get the altogether different bit, right? And... Uh, carrion was one of those experiences for me. Basically what you do is you're, you are playing as a, as a like horrifying fleshy mass monster creature. Okay. You're basically the stranger things meet monster. Yes. Mm-hmm. You have creepy tentacles. You grab people and eat them. Uh, you can slam them around, uh, but you're actually very fragile. So you can get shot only a couple times, uh, et cetera. But you're, you're sort of like that glass cannon approach, right? Which is, Extremely violent uh, and deadly, but also can totally just get caught on fire and die. And uh, that game is extremely well done. And it only takes a couple hours to play through. Uh, so maybe I think about five hours or so. And it's just tons of fun. So if you want to have the experience of feeling like a feeling like a creepy, crawly, gooey, tentacle meat, meat, meat demon. Yeah. <laughs> Like, give it a go. Like, they did a great job of it. Uh, all sorts of fun mechanics. Where, like, you could you can basically possess people with a creepy parasite arm. Uh, you can, and then, like, make them shoot each other. All sorts of fun stuff. Uh, throw people into walls, eat them, catch them in nets. I don't know. There's, it was just a good time. And you could roar. It's just a button for roaring, which, like, I, I mean, I'm down. Anytime, it's like Goose Game, right? Anytime there's a button you can press to scream at stuff, like, just, you know, sign me up. It's good. 
Like, are, we, are we reserving a button in Crashlands 2 for roaring? No, but I literally thought of it after that because I was like, <laughs> I'm going to need some emotes, you know, some ability. That's going to be a PC-only feature, you know. That's mm, You get yeah. that advantage of the keyboard. Mm-hmm. So, or or you could do the uh, the slash emote system like what WoW has. You know, you type mm-hmm. into a chat box, slash dance or whatever. I think, we've got, I think we've got the, the click on the left analog stick left. For mapping, so we could easily do a little for the uh, controller wheel. Mm-hmm. There it is. There it is. Which actually, uh, we hadn't talked right. about this. Kind of a just quick aside, but something that we realized mm-hmm. as we were designing Crashlands or preparing for Crashlands Two, designing stuff was that that the controller, that a console controller, was actually our most difficult input device to design for because we'd been thinking actually that it was a touch interface. Mm-hmm. But having Sam did some some playthroughs of some uh, some modern. Uh, mobile games that are actually really complicated and have lots of inputs and realize that actually there's way more options than you think at your disposal because of the fact that you have the whole screen as one giant collection of inputs. Mm-hmm. And, and so the inputs themselves can morph over time. Yeah, yeah. So because of that, like if you're clever about it, you can actually do, you're actually really not constrained at all on a mobile device. Yeah. Um, but uh, so, so that actually left us with saying, okay, for just for choosing what things you're able to do in Crashlands, like designing the mechanics of your interaction with the world, we had to actually be looking at a controller and just ask, how many things can we actually map onto this? And that's actually what defines uh, for for Crashlands too um, the set of set of mechanics that, that yeah. are available. Honestly, I think it's it's one of the best exercises if you're if you're making a game that has like sort of you know any amount of complexity above like three or four buttons basically is to to take either the controller or the phone and build out that, that mapping. Um, it's honestly, like it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, design is supposed is basically design is constraint is sort of uh, one of the big ideas in, in the design field. And so picking a really powerful constraint, which like there's only so many buttons on that thing and you don't necessarily want to use all of them. You want to, you know, use them in such a way that it's really uh, it makes sense. It's intuitive. People won't get their fingers confused because things are mapped too closely. Uh, it was a really good exercise, um, but yeah. Now we now we can now we got one button left, so slam those emotes on there. Caught good. Mm-hmm. There it is, emote. I was going to some questions. All right, these questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. Highest upvoted question comes from Beaky Bapa Boop, who says, "Would any of you do voice work for another studio's game?" Hmm. Oh, would you? I mean, you might want Sam to. But would you want the rest of us to? <laughs> said any. Look, here's the Didn't thing. Say any. One of the things that I'm a fan of is having more money. That's true. <laughs> That's true. So, is this, is this if, a paid gig or a free gig? Yeah, and if, then what is if the my price voice is right? Worth? Yeah, if the price is right and somebody, for whatever uh, hard to explain reason, wants my voice in their game, <laughs> yeah, this is the same I way. I take that it. money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Cause like I mean I have I have a I have a fun time doing the voice work for uh for our games but I don't I don't I don't delude myself into thinking that it is of the you know of the utmost tier of of game voices I think it's it's good you know it's funny get some get mm-hmm. gets the sass across but I don't have any range I'm just like I'm an amped up version of myself is sort yeah, of you've you got the one thing which I think is true for probably all three of us although Seth does have that crazy. High pitched voice character. Yeah, oh, I, got, yes. I got a huge, I got a huge range. What are you talking about? That was in the last trailer. Yeah. I forgot about in the last trailer. Um, yeah. So I wait. Yeah, I'd be open to it. But the thing is, as long as I don't have to do anything, which I know, I know from our own contracting of voice voice work uh, people that most of it, like part of the thing you look for actually when you're contracting someone is that they can handle the audio it themselves. So like they'll, they'll actually send you something that has no breaths in it, which is not a thing mm-hmm. I even. Knew we needed. Yeah, until. it's not just raw audio. It's actually polished and exactly. Yeah. So I would have to do all that, which like I don't want to do that. I might have to pay Patrick to do it, but like I don't know. I got stuff to do. I got games to design. Uh, yeah, if you could, if you could do your lines into a microphone and your own microphone, because because we can't go anywhere, and you don't want to go pay for studio yeah, I time. Yeah, I can't go to Patrick's place because you know. Yeah. If you can so, do that and be done with it. Yeah. So if, which I guess means that, yeah, if, if you want to hire one of us again, inexplicably to do, <laughs> to do voice work and are willing to, uh, to let us sit in front of whatever microphone we have and whatever quality that is, 
uh, and get an unedited raw thing back <laughs> and then use that and then potentially also pay for it. Actually, definitely, because otherwise we got stuff to do. Yep. What's your, what do you charge it, Adam? I wouldn't, I wouldn't charge very much because – I'm charging 15 bucks a word. I don't know if that's a high word? or low, but that seems that seems Here's high. the thing though. What, you're not you're not paying you're not paying for uh for what I'm bringing to the table. You know, you're paying for the fact that The question I'm is what are pro- you that I'm for? not programming. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. Right? Right. Yeah, that's exactly. You're paying for for my opportunity cost uh, cuz yep. the price is the price is just what it would take to get me to do voice work. Right. It's not, yeah. Cause like, cause I, I also don't believe here. Yeah. I don't believe that my voice is actually worth anything, but it is in doing that. I'm not doing something else that I, I can create value by doing. So it has to offset right. that cost. That's got to offset it. And, and then some, yep. uh, cause it, cause you also need to need to cover the, uh, the, inv- the feelings the, of the, the feelings of guilt, you know, there's, that, but there's also the ROI because not only is there a direct one-to-one cost, like, you know, your, your, your labor produces some value, right? But uh, yeah. but every hour we spend not programming um, is then an hour of like programming that we have done in the past, right? That or I guess now have not done in the past on, yeah. upon which we built an ever increasing and, and labyrinthine complex of of things that increase the value of our of our company. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that one hour that's gone is worth like easily fifteen. It's fifteen bucks a word. One point two hours. <laughs> I think it's yeah. a long a long way of just saying that. Uh, our voices are priceless. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you can't do. Well, it. no, they're about but, fifteen bucks a week. <laughs> <laughs> it is true, though. Actually, just in the in the sort of general, that's what that's like general idea. Um, there's a fuckload of stuff that we used to say yes to that we now yes. say no to, and it's not and it's not that we wanted to do it then and don't want to now. So there's things like giving talks or like uh, or doing like one on one chats with people about their game stuff that they're working on or whatever. It's stuff that we just we just don't feel like we actually have time to do anymore mm-hmm. because the the opportunity cost is it basically becomes higher keeps over, going up it keeps yeah. going up and up and up the 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 better we get at games the more it, the more important it is that we're able to you know pay our employees like the more the more all that stuff becomes true um the higher the yeah. opportunity well, and we have is. employees and so we have like, employees which it, we didn't before, have before yeah. Yeah, before when it was just us, and we're like, you know, I'm just going to take a day and just like go through this thing, put together this talk, just to give to a local group or whatever it is. Like, mm-hmm. go visit a visit a game design club somewhere, or whatever. You know, you know, I'm I in that case, like I'm taking away game programming from the team, but it's just you guys and you're my brothers, and so it's fine. So deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just deal with it. You know, um, but as more and more people come to depend on the stuff that we're doing, yeah. then it becomes harder and harder to say yes to those things. So, I mean, it's also, this also comes back to like, I kind of get it, you know, if you reach out to somebody who's like, oh, CEO of such and such a game company, and you're just getting started as an indie developer, and you're like, hey, do you have any inspirational words, any tips, you know, and they just fucking don't respond at all. Like, mm-hmm. like yeah, I get it. They have a way bigger things to worry about yep. <laughs> than I mean, uh, motivating you, you know. Yeah, I so, get it. I still, I still believe that the, the, Potential value delivered from from those responses is is so easily high uh, compared to the usual stuff that it's one of those like yeah you know, you're a busy person but uh, if someone you should, you should still reply yeah even if it's you quick. should you should and, and, and even, even if it is to say like hey I really appreciate you reaching out that's awesome what you're working on unfortunately I, I don't have time to like. To do, do go through all right. this stuff, yeah. yeah. But yeah, one of the things that I've been uh, doing is because I I still try to reply to all those kinds of things, but I try to do it in a little bit more of like a a batched way um, mm-hmm. because especially because of like having GDC talks out and stuff like that. I, I do get a kind of a trickle of questions and emails from people over the course of a month, um, and so what I'll typically do is just like I'll just re- reply. Shortly after I get it, I'm like, hey, I just want to let you know I, I got this message. I don't have time to compose a reply at the moment, but I'll be getting back to you within a couple of weeks, you know. Mm-hmm. Then I just batch them all on like some Saturday morning and just go yeah. through them all. Because it could be fun. So, yeah. yeah. Although I've also like, it, found, because yeah. one of the parts of this too is when somebody reaches out to you, um, it's like we, we talked about this in the past too, about like mentor mentee things when you never know for sure how how seriously the person looking for advice or whatever is taking it. And, and the answer to how seriously is almost all, almost always not very right. Yes. And, and so the, the thing that I always do when somebody reaches out asking for something, um, 
unless I just like feel like answering in the moment or feel like I have time or whatever. But even, even in that case, what I'll often still do is just say, Hey, I don't have time to respond to this right now. Uh, ping me again in two weeks. Do you know how, what fraction of time people get back <laughs> yeah, to zero, two yeah. weeks later? So it is literally one out of 20 times that somebody yeah. gets back yeah. to me. And yeah. the nice thing there is that, that now that's, now I know that's a person who's like got their shit together. They truly actually want whatever it is they're trying to get from me. And, uh, and, and now I feel better about like spending my time doing this because I know I'm not just throwing time away, um, for someone who actually isn't going to give a shit about the, the response they got back. It's very effective. There's another strategy you can use, which is to just uh, send, send a, a few questions back first. You just be like, hey, before I answer, I just want to make sure that I'm giving you information that's helpful for you. Here's some things I'd like to know. Um, and then just ask yep. some questions about, like, what kinds of projects you'd be working on? Where are you at in your education? How many games have you built? You know, like, or whatever it is. Um, and see what kind of it, what kind of response you get, if, if any, yep. from that. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah, so... Hope that helps. So I guess maybe maybe we would do voice acting for another game <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> to answer the question. Uh, all right. Uh, next question comes from Fraser, who says, with Levelhead now out and Crashlands 2 on the way, it's safe to say uh, B-Scotch as a game dev studio isn't going anywhere. That said, your road was Rude. far from straight. In, in <laughs> Depends your- on what you mean by that, I guess. We're not going <laughs> anywhere. We're, we are. That's the meanest thing anyone has ever said. The meanest thing anyone has ever said. It's safe to say, you guys are not progressing. Those two games uh, are both garbage. Good God. Uh, that said, your road was far from straight, and your last attempt at sizing up could have tanked the company if you didn't change course. True fact. If you were, if you were to give advice to some brothers in 2020 who have just released their first hit and want to start a studio, what would you tell them? Cheers. Oh, who just, just, so they've already released a hit. And somehow don't have a studio yet. Yeah. Which right. is a sort, precarious of, l- sort of the Crashlands so scenario. The first thing right. I would do first is say, people. talk to some lawyers and get a contract drawn up for whoever's involved with this project. Because if you don't have an official studio and now have money coming in, you guys are, you guys gonna, are going to be weird. Let's they have pre- a studio between the couple of them. Yeah, because yeah. if not, what you've done is you've put peanut butter all over your fork and then rested it on the Ooh, fucking. Yeah, that's thing. how you get peanut butter on your shorts, buddy. That's yeah, how you get peanut butter. On you, your you've shorts. done the you've <laughs> done the business equivalent of Sam having a snack. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> Living on the edge. Yeah, so get all get all your stuff in order. Form an LLC. Form a company of some kind. Talk to some lawyers. Talk to accountants. Uh, yeah, let's, get your, let's assume that, like the sort yeah. of you know the yeah. So the do that. Mechanations are are taken care of when yeah. it comes become to official yeah. business side. Uh, Launch one. a game uh, successfully, and then they're like, "I want to go. I want to do more. I'm going to go." Yeah. Big. The next thing to do is to recognize that uh, you ha- you have as a studio, you have sort of two big competing priorities. One is you've already got a game out, so people are playing. They like it. They want more. That of game it. is. They want more of it, and that game is making you some money, right? So uh, you need to – if there's anything about that game that makes it cumbersome or difficult to maintain, mm-hmm. you need to work on your infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So uh, learn about DevOps. So read like the DevOps Handbook or the Phoenix Project to update your thinking on on that kind of deployment strategy. Um, Build a customer service strategy, which, which is the, yeah. follows the same devops path. Yeah, and develop some systems to make it so that it's very easy for you to maintain that game. Because what you don't want to have happen is, let's say three, four years from now, some company comes to you and they say, hey, uh, we really like that hit game that you released several years back. Would you bring it to our platform? We'll pay you. You don't want your response to be, I mean, we can't because it's we lost fun. the code. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, we can't update it anymore because of reasons X, Y, and Z. Um, so routine maintenance is super important. So invest in the infrastructure and and tech necessary to make that easy. Um, so that'd be the, I think the first thing to do. Mm-hmm. The first thing to do um, is definitely not attempt to scale your studio up in personnel. No, 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 just get your house in order. Yeah, actually, to look look yeah. back at the way that the dev was done, and actually to talk to other other people who have had multiple successful projects, uh, and and not ask them how to scale. Because I think part of the problem is it's it's the it's asking the wrong question, right? Because mm-hmm. people will just answer whatever questions you you come to them with, like yep. in a mentor mentee situation. Um, 
the, the better question is, is something more along the lines of one is that, do you actually know what you're trying to do as a yep. business? Do you understand what your core value is as a business? So in our case, uh, you know, what we're trying to do is we want to actually ride the combination of, of making money while also really enjoying our lives. Right. Those two mm-hmm. things. And what that means, actually, a bunch of specific things for us at the end of the day. It means we can't really do the sort of live opsy, like free to play approach that is becoming very, which isn't even to say we would be able to do it successfully, but it is becoming sort of the most successful strategy to, to in the long term, to generate revenue off of games. Mm-hmm. But it also comes at an enormous cost because you have to have a huge analytics pipeline. You have to have, you have to, and the, the ability to watch it and understand what's happening. You have to have the ability to do experiments live inside of your games. You have to have the ability to add content on a daily or weekly basis. Um, and so you can't be doing anything else if you yep. are managing a live ops game. Uh, and so we we made an explicit decision that that's not the that we want to be able to make more than one thing, right? Instead of have one thing that we invest in, which isn't a value judgment. That's just what we would prefer to do. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think you have to, what I would actually recommend for anyone, anyone who's regardless of, of the, the team size or whatever else, if you've managed to actually have a hit on your hands, which means you're, my read from that, as far as what I would understand is that you're fine financially for a while. That's what a hit means. Not permanently, uh, by the way, but for it a while. It means you got a runway long enough that you could uh, you 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 have the option to try to make some different decisions. Mm-hmm. Got some uh, force. Then what you actually need to do is is like Seth said, basically investigate all of the processes that you use to build this game, uh, tune them all up, and fix them so that you can continue maintaining it without trouble. And then take a beat. Uh, mm-hmm. There's not many times, frankly, in running a business where you get to actually step way the fuck back with a lot of time and be like, "What are we trying to do?" Uh, and and why and are we sure that that whatever we're about to embark on matches perfectly with that? It's it's just like designing a game at the end of the day. Same thing, designing mm-hmm. or even designing a tool or anything else. Yeah, because you if have to know if you want is. to leverage that success to become a publisher, that looks very different than leveraging that success into growing your studio to start making sequels or into staying exactly what doing exactly what you're doing without changing anything and investing in infrastructure, right? Um, there's any kind of approach you could want and all of those completely change your lifestyle and, and the stuff that you have to be an expert in or the stuff that you get to become an expert in, depending on how you're looking at these problems. Mm-hmm. Um, so the nice thing though, about, about you being in this, this hypothetical or real position, um, is that, is that you now get to decide, uh, you're the one running the show, right? Or you and yeah. the group that you're working with, right? So you don't have to say, because there, there are lots of companies who scale to scale, right? Who, whose goal is to, to generate revenue with this, with this idea that scaling and revenue generation are the same concept, right? So, so that they, that's the approach. That's what they go for. Um, there are other companies who just say, we want to do this for a living. So we want to find a way to make this mm-hmm. as stable as possible. Um, there are other people who say, I've got enough of a support system that I can just take risks and I just want to try doing weird shit, right? Uh, so you just get to choose. And and by get to, I mean, you have to balance all the requirements of your life, right? To try to figure out like what, what the get options to, are actually available to. to you, right? Yeah. So you have to and get to, right? But, you, but you, you get to see all the different options available to you and, and invent those options. And then based on what you want your life to look like and what your life does look like, um, find the thing find the one path that actually allows you to move forward. Um, and that's the conversation you need to have with the rest of your teammates too, because if everyone's not on board with the same plan, then you're, you're just going to have perpetual conflict moving forward. Yeah. Right. Um, the, the three of us have fortunately managed to always make sure that we are aligned on the same overarching goals so that we're not just cause, cause otherwise if you're conflicting both with the long-term vision and the short-term vision, you're just, you're just yeah, you want to argue over details, you know? Yeah, like argue the, over how to get where you all want to be, right? Correct. Not both how to get where some of you want to be and others don't. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, I think and the other one is just remember that cash is king. Cash is king. So if your burn rate is going to go up tremendously because of some shit you're going to do, uh, be very careful. Deeply, deeply consider not doing it. Uh, it is the case sometimes that you have to spend money to make money, of course, when it comes to either building new stuff, spending on ads, starting a merch line, whatever. But Hiring uh, people. Hiring people, yeah. Hiring people would be your biggest cost. Uh, 
genuinely. And so make sure, make absolutely sure that what that looks like in terms of your runway is, is still totally fine by a good wide margin. Cause people do, even if your onboarding is like perfected, people take between six and 12 months to like really, really be kicking ass. Even if they're yeah, really actually, yeah, grow into in terms of like a kind of a core piece of advice that's then related to this is, is don't look at the problems that you had like at the end of development and going into launch as the problems that you need to now have uh, solved, solved by yes. hiring people or whatever. And this, this, we, we almost actually did. ran into this. We almost did yeah. this again with Levelhead, um, where we were looking at all these like we were all stretched so thin. Um, all I mean, absolutely everybody on the team. And so, so as we were leading into the launch, we were we were picking out strategies for, or we were looking at potential strategies depending on how Levelhead did and all of this. And and we did the math to figure out like given these different scenarios, looking at a runway, like could we hire people? And and like the plan was going to be to legitimately just like hire two or three people as quickly as possible to scale up our ability to do the tooling and scale up our ability to do game programming. And then as soon as we got like a, a week out from the launch, and then took a beat, decided just to to work on this that level head patch, mostly just to like frankly relax like it's not relaxing really but it's like relax our minds from being from feeling we have to make a decision about what to do next and as we were doing that we realized that the reason that all the stuff felt so like felt so emergent and like it's like a like an incoming disaster like oh god we don't want to deal with this shit ever again right was just that everything coincided for launch right and all the tools that we we're building to make everything easier we were building at the same time we were doing like everything was happening at the same time mm-hmm. But now moving forward, we get to roll all of that stuff that we did into the next process. We don't have to resolve how do we get a game onto Xbox successfully. We don't have to resolve how do we get it onto Switch. We don't have to solve resolve any of that. We don't have to solve again building a, an automatic game deployment pipeline. We don't have to solve QA again. Like we've already solved all of these, but we did it while we were developing the game. Yeah, well, that's and the so, thing. Yeah. The pinch points that you will re- most remember feeling are going to be from the last three to six months, and unfortunately. Yeah. Now that you're done with the fucking game, uh, you're those not are done. In, now. <laughs> yeah, those problems yeah. are not your problems anymore. So hiring for those specific things will probably just be uh, be rough on you in terms of yeah. You just got to think very hard before you make these make these moves. And, and when it so came to if, when it came to Crashland specifically, the thing that, that really killed us after launch was customer support because um, we were not ready for it. And and we fortunately did manage to like take enough time to sort of establish some systems and whatever, but it like, but it really killed us for, for a few months, actually. Um, it was, it was that and the ability to roll out, roll out fixes. Cause we had a lot of bugs. We didn't have a good QA and all that stuff. So, so it's, it's that, it's that infrastructure on all dimensions. That's going to, that you basically invest in that first, make sure you can make sure you can take a breath so that you can think. And then you do take that space and figure out what you're actually trying to accomplish, get everybody aligned. And then you move forward at that point. Mm-hmm. Don't be too hasty. So so, it sounds like what you guys are saying is know thyself. Yes. You got to know what you value in your work. You got to know what you're interested in pursuing. You have to know what your problems are that you're trying to solve. And if you know what's possible. Yeah, you got to know what your problems are likely to be Mm -hmm. in the – in the, as you start working on the next game. Yeah, because if that, if but you all, project like that game's going to give you another, if nothing changes, you don't hire people, you don't pay yourselves more, whatever. If you project out like, oh, we got another two years now to do something else, like that's not that long of a window. So that limits actually what you can do. If it's 10 years, well, shit, now you have, now you have a huge number of options at your disposal and you can make decisions within that instead. But as soon as you double your team size, it's not 10 years anymore. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So again, it's all, it's all just, you know, you really have to dig deep. And, and I think, you know, people say like, if you want to get a tattoo, you know, maybe like take a picture of that thing and just look at it like once a month for a few months. Mm-hmm. And if you still like it uh, and it's still relatable to you after six months or something or a year, um, then, you know. It, it might be something that you'd be cool just seeing forever on your body. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, the lesson there is basically just one of for, – for decisions that are going to be long-lasting, like, hey, I, uh, what are we going to spend the next three years building? Or yep. who am I going to be working alongside? Or what is my job going to look like for the next three, four years? Um, those are long-term decisions, and you don't have to rush them. No. Yeah. 
Like you, you can, you can take that. And if for some reason you do have to rush them, it's because there's only one choice available to you. Right. So, yep. so you, you have to ask yourself <laughs> yeah, very seriously, like if you feel like there's something you have to do, like, st- like still take a beat and just ask like, is this true? Or am I just feeling the pressure of this culmination of events and of like, cause, cause you can only solve one thing at a time, but you're going to be thinking about every problem at the same time. And every single thing you're trying to deal with is going to make it feel like everything else is even worse than it is, right? Mm-hmm. And so you just got to figure out what the problems are, line them all up, figure out what the priorities are, and, and go. And again, still very fucking yeah. hard to do. Yes, it's not easy doing it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're definitely, you're definitely going to do it wrong, but like... <laughs> yeah. But there are ways to do it less wrong, probably. Mm-hmm. So, because um, I, I think... I think there's like, there's never a scenario where we we decide to go on a particular course and then we look back and we're like, damn, we nailed that. Like that has never happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, there's always there's always no. ways in which uh, in which we sh- could have and should have done things differently. But uh, you know, by, I think by taking that extra time to just let let the emotional state simmer, mm-hmm. take stock of of what you need, yeah, what if, you if want, you can take you have. two to four weeks now to discover that there's Three people you don't need to hire, actually, right? And mm-hmm. there's this game that actually you shouldn't make because it's going to be too costly in the long term. Uh, or that your business partnership will not survive because you have conflicting goals, right? If you take a few weeks to do any of that, the amount of savings that you get on the other side is is, big. is outrageous. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully that answers your question. There's lots of stuff you can do. Um, but just take the time. Take the time to think about it. All right, so that's all the time we have for this week. We would like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Costa, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, just go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to everything. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.